0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe.
1: Episode two hundred, the pig two zero zero of the For the Love of the Game show on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. It's here, folks. It's time—that magical time of the year. March Madness is back, and you will always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Not just March Madness. NBA down the stretch, they come in the regular season. NHL, MMA, do tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code BLEAV, that's B L E A V, to get your 50% reward on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. With that said, episode 200 for the love of the game, let's get this work. My style can't be duplicated or recycled. This chick is a sick individual. Sick believe it, oh.
0: let me switch up the game. I drink that cone, step back, cause I might put it on, I go deep, so deep, till you sleep, count sheep, wake you up from nowhere. You don't want me to to show how
1: take welcome back welcome back it is episode 200 that's right two zero zero for the love of the game unbelievable unbelievable we've done 200 we've cracked the milestone thank you to all the contributors to all the guests To the Believe Podcast Network for allowing me to do this show the way I do it. To my editors, everything just awesome. Here's to 200 more, and let's keep the good vibes rolling. And speaking of good vibes, the New York Knicks. I am fired up today on a Monday afternoon. Why? Because the New York Knicks have won nine straight games after beating the Boston Celtics. In double overtime last night without Jalen Brunson, 131-129. Wild. Wild. I said it on the last episode. My cold heart was thawing. And now I'm in. I'm just all in. That's it. I can't even deny it. I can't deny it. I can't be mad about anything right now when it comes to this team. Absolutely incredible. No Jalen Brunson. No problem. And this is on the heels of them beating the Miami Heat 122 to 120 on a crazy game Friday night. Absolutely crazy game. Back and forth affair. Brunson was great, but he gets hurt. Randall was sensational. Hits the heave at the end. I mean, Jimmy Butler did everything in his power for that undermanned Miami Heat team. To beat the New York Knicks. But Randall was just crazy. Absolutely unconscious. So yeah. Take those vibes into last night. Double overtime win against the Boston Celtics. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. I mean when they announced that Jalen Brunson wasn't going to play. I was like. The Knicks are going to lose tonight. And it's a shame because listen. Eight straight wins is nothing to sneeze at doesn't come around that often. You would want it to be where it was the Knicks at full strength against the Boston Celtics at full strength in Boston. And I kind of had like a mental letdown when I saw it come across the Twitter timeline that Jalen Brunson was going to be out. So instead of locking in, and I've been locked in recently, instead of locking in... I decided to play a little pickup hoops, get a run in. I had the game on streaming while I was in the car so I basically could listen to the audio. And all of a sudden the Knicks are down 13, I see, in the third quarter. I listened to most of the first quarter. Down 13 in the third quarter. And then all of a sudden I check again when I get back in the car. Game was over. And the Knicks are in it. They're down 6. Wild. Absolutely wild game. Emmanuel quickly plays 55 minutes. 55 minutes! And by the end of the game, he looked like he could go another 55 minutes. I saw a picture of him without a shirt after last night's game. Dude's absolutely shredded, absolutely yoked. Must be nice to be 23 years old, absolutely yoked. He could have gotten another full game. 30. Eight points, 15 for 28, a masterful job, absolutely masterful job, Julius Randle had a pretty good game, now it wasn't the game against Miami, but he had a pretty good game, it's hard to duplicate the 40 spot that he put up against Miami, but Julius had his moments, yeah he had his moments where it looked kind of rough, the last possession at the end of regulation, Where they started too slow. He got the ball too late. Even if he wanted to pass the ball. Didn't have the opportunity. They didn't even get a shot off. But how can you complain about the play of Julius Randle? He was just named Eastern Conference Player of the Week. After Jalen Brunson was named Eastern Conference Player of the Week last week. And I gotta give kudos to R.J. Barrett. On a night where Jalen Brunson didn't play. R.J. Barrett came out, and was making jump shots, was aggressive, properly aggressive, and he really paced them in the first quarter because it looked like the vibes going into that game without Brunson, the the sales were the air was let out of the sails a little bit, that it could have gotten away from the Knicks early. And R.J. Barrett paced them with a very nice first quarter that bled into the rest of the game with his confidence level. So, I know I've been hard on him. I know I think he's below average. But he was very good Sunday night. What a win. An absolutely incredible win. It's the most shocking win this team has had in the last 10 years. Like I was legitimately shocked. And at the end of regulation, when Quentin Grimes fouls Jalen Brown... On the end one, and Jalen Brown ties the game, and then they don't get a shot off. Julius Randle gets picked at the end. They don't get a shot off. A part of me was just, like, absolutely crushed. Crushed, because I thought there was no way that they were going to win in overtime. No way. Especially Al Horford is playing really well for them. He hit six threes last night. Jalen Brown had a really nice game for the Boston Celtics. Tatum put up a lot of numbers, but he wasn't particularly good. We'll get to him in a second. I, I just can't believe it. I honestly cannot believe it. This Knicks team right now is 39 and 27 at the time of recording. Their over/under in Vegas was 38 and a half. I bet the under. I, I've never been so happy to be wrong in my life. Nine and zero oh now since the Josh Hart trade. And again, he continues to make big plays, continues to be a huge contributor for this team. 29 and 15 since December 1st. The fourth best record in the entire league since December 1st. This isn't a fluke now. Yeah, the nine game winning streak gets all the headlines, but this isn't a fluke. This Knicks team is for real. I've I've fought it the entire year. But I can't fight it anymore. This Knicks team is for real. And credit to the coach. Tom Thibodeau, who I have major issues with. I still kind of have issues with. But he's done a masterful job. A masterful job. I mean, what else can you say? Right now... The 4-5 matchup is them against Cleveland. And Cleveland's got the Boston Celtics tonight after the Boston Celtics had their hearts ripped out. Last night, it's a tough spot for Boston tonight. I mean, I don't know what the spread is. I think it's about 3.5. I would take the Cavs with the spread. You can't assume Boston is going to have much left in the tank after going double overtime last night, crushing loss at home. But this isn't about the Boston Celtics. Well, it kind of is because the Knicks... Have had their way with the Boston Celtics this year. But this is about the New York Knicks. <clears throat> and right now the New York Knicks are in the 4-5 matchup in the playoffs. And if they can beat Cleveland, which I, I really think they can. I know Donovan Mitchell's had a crazy year. And yes, a part of me still is super mad that they didn't pull the trigger. I can't even imagine what this team would be like with him. But again... We're not even talking about that now. We're not dwelling on it. I think the Knicks can beat the Cleveland Cavaliers in the playoff series. And then if the Boston Celtics get the number one seed, I'm not scared of this Boston Celtics team. I know what the advanced metrics say. I don't care. They don't scare me. They don't scare me. I think the Knicks could end up beating, and again, this is foreshadowing probably way too far in the future right now, but I think the Knicks could beat Boston in a playoff series. <clears throat> Which means that realistically, the Knicks have a decent chance to be in the Eastern Conference Finals this year. This roster of guys who I have said are overpaid, of guys who have misfits with a coach who was playing Alec Burks big minutes at the point last year over Emmanuel Quickly. This coach has turned it around. This team, you're telling me, can make some serious noise in the Eastern Conference? Do I think they're going to win a title? No. No, I don't. But that does not take away from how fun this is. It doesn't. Not one bit. And by the way, I know I spoke about Jason Tatum for a second. And how everybody puts Jason Tatum on this pedestal. Like he's this top six player in the league. He's not at that upper echelon. I know what the numbers say. But he's just not there yet. And guess what? He's 24. He's probably going to figure it out sooner rather than later. But he's not there yet. If you contrast how Jimmy Butler played down the stretch Friday night and how Jason Tatum played If you swap the two, if you swap the two for that game last night, the Knicks don't win because Butler finds a way to get to the line numerous times within the last three minutes and he would have made all his free throws and there's a level of physicality and know-how that Jason Tatum just doesn't have yet. He just doesn't have it. He'll get there, but there's a reason why guys start winning titles around 27 years old. So let's slow down before we put Jason Tatum in that hierarchy of the NBA. The upper, upper echelon with Giannis, with Steph, with Jokic, with Embiid. He's not quite there yet. And that's okay, he's 24. But this isn't about Jason Tatum, this is about the New York Knicks. And what else can you say about Emmanuel quickly? I know I talked about it before, the numbers were eye-popping. He's been awesome all year in a six-man role. And by the way, his odds for winning six-man of the year last night climbed tremendously. I think he's like plus 130 now as opposed to being like plus 3,200 six weeks ago. Quickly's development on both ends of the court was one of the reasons why I said that the Knicks did not need to sign Jalen Brunson to the contract. They got him without training for Donovan Mitchell. I thought it was a lateral move. I have been proven wrong because Jalen Brunson's been tremendous. But one of the reasons I said what I said for all those months was because Emmanuel Quickly is that guy. So much fun. Absolutely so much fun. Now, the Knicks better take care of business tomorrow night against a terrible Charlotte Hornets team. I don't expect Jalen Brunson to play, but losing to the Hornets would just be a letdown. It would. It would. You can't lose to a bad team at home to end a winning streak. Would it change anything I feel about this Knicks team? No, because that's what happens in the NBA sometimes. Sometimes you just don't have it, but it would be a major letdown. But I I cannot believe what I'm seeing from this Knicks team. The tune has totally changed. They have roped me back in. I have given my heart to this New York Knicks team. Will it probably get ripped out of my chest in a couple of weeks, couple of months? Yeah, most probably. But man, has this been a fun ride. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. A couple of other quick things in the NBA. We're going to talk about a lot of college basketball in the next couple of weeks. We're actually going to have recurring guest Jordan Marks on the podcast. we got to get ready for the NCAA tournament because Selection Sunday isn't less than a week. But a couple of NBA things. We're going to do a little Russillo Tales from the Couch from yesterday's games. Suns-Dallas, incredibly fun game. 130-126, the Phoenix Suns. Kevin Durant was masterful. He scored 37 points on 17 shots. That is insane, absolutely insane. And Devin Booker has been awesome since Durant's got there. His scoring is up, his assists are up. Quite a dynamic duo. Now, just because they had two good games against the Hornets and then the Bulls, who are not particularly good, either of those teams, and then another monster game against the Dallas Mavericks team that plays no defense, am I going to proclaim them to be title favorites? No. No, I'm not. I need to see a little bit more. And I believe in continuity. I don't think a team that is going to play 19 games together can win an NBA title. I don't. There are nuances to the game that you can't learn in 19 games. But if any team has a realistic shot at the finals, after only playing 19 games together, it's this Suns team. I mean, absolutely frightening. As for the Dallas Mavericks, I I hate this team with a passion. I mean, I can't stand Kyrie Irving. I think he's a schmuck. Not just because he hates my guts because I'm a Jew, but I hate watching him play basketball. I don't particularly enjoy watching Luka sometimes play basketball. The Dueling Banjos, I don't love it. Luka takes a lot of bad step-back threes. The Dallas Mavericks are 2-5 and five since the Kyrie Irving trade. And Mavericks fans were trying to convince themselves the minute they got Kyrie that it was going to be hunky-dory. It was going to be a game-changer, and guess what? It's a game-changer for the worse. This Mavericks team is not going anywhere. They might not make it out of the play-in tournament. And that would just be so, so awesome. I hate this Mavericks team a tremendous amount. I don't particularly love this Suns team either, because I think Kevin Durant is a little bit of a bitch. But I like this Suns team a hell of a lot more than I do this Mavericks team. I cannot stand this Mavericks team. So that was Dallas and the Suns. Oh, one last thing about this game. The officiating. What offensive players get away with now, especially on the block, is absurd. Luka can throw his weight around, and if you're the defender, you stand up to him. If he leans in, He throws his weight around, and they get calls. Luka gets a whole lot of calls. Devin Booker was doing the same thing. And then these guys have the gall to complain to the referees like they're not getting calls. It's time that defenders have the ability to play defense and stand their ground, especially in the post. The officials have to call it better. Have to call it better. I mean... The last play of the game, or basically the last play of the game, where Luka missed that bunny that would have tied it, that was an offensive foul. And Devin Booker got in his face, and then they go jaw-to-jaw a little bit. I I don't think Devin Booker should be talking trash to Luka, especially since Luka sent them home in Game 7 last year, and it was a 50-point game at one point. Devin Booker's really good. But he's not in Luka's class as a player. You can't be talking trash up in class like that. But whatever, I I like the animosity between these two teams. It's great. That was a very entertaining game. But ultimately, I don't think either of these teams are going to win the title. And I definitely don't think the Mavericks are going to be at all interesting down the stretch and a major playoff contributor because they stink on defense. And let's face it, Kyrie Irving is just a, a net negative. He's been that way for the last six years, and it's just funny how Mavericks fans were going to talk themselves into it, and it's not going great. It's not going great, and I'm here for every second of it. All right, so second game, Lakers-Warriors. Stephen Curry is back. The Lakers win 113-105. Still no LeBron James, a very impressive win for the Lakers, a very important win for the Lakers. Anthony Davis was spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. Do I think he still made a glass? Yes. Is he reliable? No. But he was spectacular on Sunday. Made a whole lot of jump shots. Was a menace defensively. Steph looked pretty good. But to me, the story for the Lakers Sunday, again, Davis was awesome. But it's Austin Reeves and Jared Vanderbilt and their contributions. Those guys can really play they can really play and the Lakers would be dead in the water without him this Lakers thing they're not dead yet they're not dead yet if they tread water when lebron gets back they could be a play in tournament team and as crazy as it is if it broke right for them they can get out of the play in tournament but they got to tread water this home stand is going to be very important For the Lakers. We'll see how that unfolds. And last but not least. The Clippers rallied to be the Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis is without John Morant. Obviously I don't really want to talk about the John Morant situation that much. Guy's got to clean up his act a little bit. But he's uh, I think suspended indefinitely. I know he's going to miss two games. But I think I saw last night. Indefinite suspension. They were up big. Desmond Bain was balling. He's really really good. But the Clippers rallied behind the monster game from Paul George. Monster game from Kawhi Leonard, it's the Clippers' first win with Russell Westbrook. I think the Westbrook thing was a little overblown, that he was the reason why the Clippers were losing, I'm not sure that was the case, but that adjustment has been rocky, it has. I'm actually shocked Russ is still starting, I, I probably would have assumed he was going to be you know, a sixth man just like he was for the Lakers, but... If Kawhi Leonard is going to look like that and Paul George is going to look like that, the Clippers have a shot. Do I think they're going to beat the Denver Nuggets in a playoff series? No. But they have a shot. Do I think they'd, they'd even be favored in a series against the Phoenix Suns? No. But they would have a shot. So yeah, a little tales from the couch from Sunday and the Milwaukee Bucks, after their... 14 game winning streak was broken by the Philadelphia 76ers. By the way, James Harden was absolutely tremendous in that game Saturday night. Won the game down the stretch for the Sixers, even with Joel Embiid hitting the big three to give them the lead for good. The Bucs rally to beat the Wizards. That's the best team in basketball. You can talk about the Suns all you want, you can talk about the Nuggets can talk about the Celtics. I just mentioned how the Celtics are kind of mid. The Milwaukee Bucks are the best team in basketball. They have the best player in basketball, and they're the deepest. And they play really good defense. So yeah, good stuff in the NBA. Obviously, the NBA, for me, will take a little bit of a back seat with the NCAA tournament coming because... Everybody knows how much I love the NCAA tournament and talking about it, but it's hard for the NBA to take a backseat, especially with the New York Knicks playing the way they're playing, and they are on a nine-game winning streak. Madison Square Garden's going to be a lot of fun in May. A lot of fun in May. The Rangers, I know they've lost two straight since the Patrick Kane trade. I expect them to be just fine, and the New York Knicks are a lot more than just fine. They've exceeded my expectations. I'm... Happy to be wrong about them. What a stretch it's been. What a stretch it's been, and what a turnaround for a coach that we thought was going to be fired a couple months ago. 29-15 and 15 since December 1st. Fourth best record in the league. It's not a fluke. It's not a fluke. I'm excited to see what happens with the Knicks going forward. All right, with that said, it's time for a little palate cleanser with uh, recurring guest, Jordan Marks, to get me ready for the college basketball hot season. Selection Sunday is less than a week away, and I got to get prepared. I can't think of anybody else who uh, would do it better, and we'll bring Jordan on in just a matter of moments. So as I said in the monologue, it's that time of year. I know I've been very preoccupied with the Knicks and the Rangers, but... Selection Sunday is six days from now, and you know who I have on. It's none other than Jordan Marks, my favorite college sports guest. Jordan, we got the Scott Krinsky email. Shout out to listener Scott Krinsky. We got the email. It's time to get excited. How are you, bud?
0: I'm great. I'm great. As you know, this this next week, conference tournament week, we start getting day basketball games, and then the week after is, is really my Yom Kippur. So let's do it. <laughs>
1: You're going to have to walk me through this one a little bit because I've been preoccupied with a lot of NBA stuff. The Knicks are are driving me crazy in like the best way possible. The Rangers just got Patrick Kane. So Madison Square Garden's going to be very interesting in May, but it's time. We got to talk about this college basketball season. And let, let's start here because obviously I've been following from afar a little bit and, and a lot of this is going to be like a palate cleanser for our post-selection show that we do every year. But are there any good teams in college basketball this year? Like, what's going on this season? Yeah. Uh, Well,
0: yeah. first answer is yes. There there are good teams. There are truly – I think there are even elite teams, to say. Um, But if it's by the standard of are there teams that are undefeated, no. But we didn't have that last year. So I think, if anything, teams are – number one i think they're scheduling more difficult games in the non-conference because there's more tv money at play um and you can and you can attract more talent by by playing those type of high level games and number two i just think that conference play especially in the high major power conferences is so competitive particularly when you go on the road and i think this is probably due to two things number one the money coming through in nil right so like these programs have the money and they're getting stronger and stronger from top to bottom of the conferences um and then i also think transfer eligibility so if you have a great player who's playing in one of the mid-major leagues he can quickly transfer into to one of the um the power conference and 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 you see that with uh baylor shireman on, on creighton you see tyler kolek who's First team all big. He's going to be first team all Big East for Marquette and a Marquette team that won their conference. So uh, these are players that were on no name teams and now they're playing
1: serious minutes for teams that are going to be seated in the top three in the the tournament. Before we get into like the other conferences and which conference tournaments are most interesting, like you just mentioned the Big East. Is the Big East having a moment right now? Is the Big East having a little bit of a resurrection? It it, obviously it's a shame because it will never be what it was when we were you know in in school where it was Q- syracuse uconn Pitt, like all those teams but are, are they having a little bit of a uh a comeback i
0: i think so i mean i you know even we'll, we'll talk about it a bit, but even in a down year for villanova per se i mean you have the re, you know you have the revival of the xavier program now with sean miller you have um, Creighton is, is still flying high, and then UConn is back. And, and UConn, um, they were number one in the AP for a long time there early on in the season, and they're going to take down a, a high seed as well. So uh, there's a bunch of good teams in the Big East. And, and yeah, Madison Square Garden is, is fun
1: for, for the NBA, but it's going to be a lot of fun this week for the Big East tournament, too. So. One tournament. I mean, one conference that has not been good, which has basically been the banner conference in college basketball for the better part of, you know, the last 15 years. I mean, it has two of the four or five most marquee brands in the sport. They play nine miles separate on Tobacco Road. The ACC has had a rough year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, brutal, brutal year. They're currently ranked uh, by the computers as seventh conference uh in in strength um and that's behind the mountain west so that's that's absolutely brutal and yeah when you have north carolina in a down year um and and duke in a so-so year and louisville in one of the worst years in the history of power conference basketball um you know it's it's definitely a down year for the acc um and while they might get like five teams in it's still not going to be. It's not exactly five teams that stand a chance to make the second weekend outside of Virginia and Miami.
1: I mean, Duke not a great year. UNC basically has to win the conference tournament to get in to get a bid. I mean, they're not getting an at-large bid even if they go to like the conference tournament final. It seems like, and uh, you know, the other banner program, Kentucky, has had a down year. So it, it's just been a weird year in college basketball, but. W- traditional powers like UCLA Arizona you know Texas that kind of had like a decade break from being like the cream of the crop have now risen to that again so yeah. it, it's just been a weird season absolutely absolutely so let's start let's start here I mean we, we touched on it a little bit Alabama Houston, these are not teams that we traditionally think of as powerhouse programs, college basketball. They've been in the AP top four for the better part of the year, right? No, Gonzaga had a moment there, but they've kind of slid down a little bit. Kansas has been a mainstay. But I, I just every time a team takes that number one spot in the AP ball. They immediately lose so like what do we make of this
0: yeah i mean again i i do think of it you have to think of it like it's it's just really hard to get go on win streaks in conference play especially when you're talking about those conferences right so
1: um yeah but yeah. it can't be that much different from even two years ago when we had baylor and gonzaga were monsters yeah, two, you know yeah. last year Duke was was great i mean yeah. I mean like listen, Houston, Houston
0: this is now their fourth straight season under um where they're in the top five of the polls for basically the whole season. It's their seventh in the top 15. So like Houston, I think that's a really impressive program for yeah. a long time out. And outside the power structure, the only other program besides Gonzaga that really has been there for a while, I think Houston is they're 29 and 2. Like they're that's not a slouch of a record. Um no. And their only losses come to an Alabama team that again is also going to be a one seed, and that was back in early December. And then, yeah, they they lost to Temple a, a month ago by on a buzzer beater. Um, there, there's really there's got to be something to say for winning 29 and 31 games. Um, no, that that that's impressive. Doesn't matter yeah. who you play. Yeah, and, and and they're they're really impressive this year because you know they have their experienced guards from years past, Jamal Sheed and Marcus Sasser. And this year they they added a, a one and done lottery pick in Jarris Walker. Uh, he's a 6'8", 240 hundred forty pound big man, and he's an athletic freak who's just shooting about thirty seven percent from distance. So I think that's a team that you'll you'll really enjoy
1: watching. But they've been like a slow climb, right? It's been it's been like an ascend almost. Like it's kind of been like a linear ascent in a sense, and now it's just like cresting to the top of the uh, the wave per se. But it's just weird seeing a field where it's like Duke is kind of a non-factor, UNC is a non-factor, Kentucky's basically a non-factor. Yeah, Kansas I mean, is the only cla- like real classic yeah. team over the last fifteen years. That's a factor.
0: Yeah, we should we should like give a shout out to Kansas because I mean this is now eighteen of twenty years that Bill Self has been there that they've won their conference. And during that span, it's so clearly the strongest conference in the country. So do I think that record's ever going to be touched? Probably not. It's, it's truly remarkable that he's done this. Um, the crazy thing about this year's Kansas team is they won the national championship last year and they lost four of their five top scorers. And it doesn't is, matter. That's it, it, it doesn't matter. Kansas, you should just write it in, forget about it, because they're going to be relevant. You know, um, They have Jalen Wilson, who is back from last year. Um, and then they brought in a bunch of like athletic, flexible wings. KJ Adams, Grady Dick, who just a great name player that you're going to probably hear a lot of people talk about. Uh, he's a freshman. He's awesome. And they took Kevin McCuller, who is defensive player in the Big 12 from Texas Tech. So uh, Kansas is awesome. And and they're going to be a one seed too, you know, pretty much no matter what happens in the Big
1: 12 tournament. It's crazy that the top two teams, if you think Houston and Alabama are the top two teams, but still, the Big Twelve, top to bottom, is probably the best conference, followed by the Big Ten. That that's pretty accurate statement, right? Yeah. I mean the the depth of the Big Twelve is crazy. I mean, you know, Texas is crazy. It's, Texas, Baylor, TCU. It's it's eight it's eight
0: teams that are in the tournament with a ninth in Texas Tech on the bubble i mean that's the only team not making the tournament is oklahoma to have that and they're not just like scraping into the tournament you have multiple like at least five or six teams that are going to be top five seeds. like that's crazy that's incredible strength of a conference um and and yeah really impressive that kansas has done this even if they aren't 29 and 2 or whatever um it's it's still super impressive that they've only lost what, five,
1: is this bill self's most impressive coaching season i, I think so
0: I, whenever they come up with these uh, coach of the year awards they never give it to the guys who have who are at kansas or you know duke or michigan state or north carolina or whatever kentucky but part of it is like yeah they have talent but they have to go acquire that talent and they still have to coach that talent so like yes you can give it to like a kansas state or an iowa state or 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 pit finished at the, t- at the top of the acc also in the i mean um so like you could give it to these coaching jobs and you know some coaches over on the hot seat yeah but are, it's year
1: it's year in and year out now right like every season is you're starting basically tabula rasa you're starting from scratch it's, it's With the truly, way the transfer portal goes now. It's it's truly impressive, yes. So outside the Big 12 tournament, which is probably going to be the most fun conference tournament because of the depth that we just laid out, what's the next best conference tournament, most interesting?
0: I mean, the, the, yeah, I mean, the Big 12 and the Big 10, or Big 10 for personal reasons, very interesting to me. But, you know, I, I do – I'm – not only I'm going to be in attendance to the Big East tournament, but I also do think the Big East tournament is is just going to be rocking. I I think it's it's all year long. It's been a total crapshoot between who's been leading, whether it's been Xavier or Creighton or UConn um, or Marquette, who ended up winning the regular season title. Um, but I think that at the top, you have some real quality. Uh, then you want to throw in Providence, who they defend like crazy. Uh, Ed Cooley's is a great coach and they're always there um Villanova just got Justin Moore back and they've been on a run lately so um and and you know then you have like these chaos teams like St. John's and, and Seton Hall who they're not very the locals good, they're not very good defensively and they don't have the talent necessarily of the top quarter of the league but they're they can upset teams and they are chaotic and St. John's is always fun in the garden so um you have a lot of offense in this league and I, I think you know in Madison Square Garden, it's it's going to be so much fun. Right now, are the
1: Johnnies slated to get net large?
0: No, 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 no,
1: no. Not at they're all. gonna they're gonna have to run the table to get net large yeah, to get yeah, it. Yeah. Absolutely. I, at one point in the year, if I if I you know remember correctly, they were they were putting up enough of a resume to get in you know by themselves, not having to win the tournament. But I guess it's it's been uh, tough sledding since then.
0: Yeah, they didn't schedule very difficult in, in the non-league, and then they yeah they lost way too many games in conference play.
1: And shout out to UConn. We mentioned UCLA a little bit about like a a, a banner program that kind of had a, a dip, and now it's on its way back. UConn too, same thing as like Houston. I mean, they haven't quite crested like Houston did. I mean, twenty nine and two is twenty nine and two, but another slow climb. You know, getting back to respectability that. You know, program that was down bad that we remember growing up for like Ray Allen, Rip Hamilton and Mecca Oka for like the, they had awesome, awesome teams. And now it seems like uh, Hurley's got them uh, back on top a little bit or, or nearing the top.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, they were awesome in, in non-conference play um, at the beginning of the year. You're right. They, they beat the daylights out of Alabama. They beat up on Iowa State. They beat Oklahoma State early on in the season. And then, you know, stumbled a little off the mat in Big East play. Um, but you know, since January they've lost like one or two games and and uh yeah, they're they're back and Domasinogo is a great big man and they have a bunch of athletes and, and shooters to come around him. So I'm um, really excited for UConn, both in, in in the city this week and then into the tournament.
1: I know we mentioned that the ACC is bad, but like, is Tony Bennett gonna do it again?
0: <laughs>
1: where he's gonna have like this sleeping team a little bit. It's not flashy. It's not, you know, fun to watch, but it's effective.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely not flashy. I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, they they they're a great defensive team, and they grind you down to a pulp. By, you know, three hundred sixtieth in Division One in adjusted tempo, so it's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun. Um, but you it's know, a bit they, of an eyesore. Yeah, they have some good guards. I, I I don't know because you know the way they played against UNC. I think it was last week or two weeks ago. Uh, losing that one just after stumbling to Boston College, which is not a good, not a good program this year, um, kind of makes me nervous that they can always get nipped up. Always, they are always vulnerable. Um, but at the same time, you don't really want to play Virginia. No, no one. It's 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 prep. It's preparing for something else that you've never seen before.
1: Talk to me about the Pac-12 a little bit, right?
0: Yeah. Not,
1: not a lot of uh, of action, you know, is being viewed by the, those of us on the East Coast about the Pac-12, but they've got a couple of teams in the top 10. Yeah. UCLA has, has looked really good. Arizona is in the top 10. Talk to me about the Pac-12. It, you know, a much maligned conference for uh, the president of the conference who... By all accounts, has not done a very good job. No. They're going to be losing, you know, a couple of banner teams in I think a year or two. But yeah, talk yes, to me not, about the Pac-12 this year.
0: Yeah, not this year. The year after USC and UCLA are gone. So um, the the packs the packs got two very strong teams. Okay, uh, you mentioned them: UCLA and Arizona. Outside of that, it it's it's kind of tough sledding. Um, you know. They, they might get Oregon in, they might get Arizona. I was about State to in.
1: say, are we going to do the Oregon thing where they're a 12 seed and they upset the five seed? I mean, obviously we'll know what happens yeah. after Sunday, but like that's the classic Oregon situation. Oregon, USC and Arizona State have some work to
0: do in the in the conference tournament. But yeah, UCLA and Arizona are the teams that really have a shot going to the second weekend and beyond. I mean, UCLA... Unbelievable! Jaime Hawkins and Tiger Campbell are the names that everyone knows. Um, they've been a mainstay in the sport for the past two years. Um, but I think
1: Hawkins is going to have a pro career. I, he's is he on draft boards? I, I, I just even if he's not, I haven't really looked at the draft boards recently. But like, even if he's not, the guy just knows how to play basketball. Like at a certain point, if you know how to play and you're a certain size, what is he, like 6'8"? Six, 6'8", six eight? Six, eight, six, six, yeah. Right, so if, if you're yeah. that size and you know how to play a little bit, like, you're going to have a shot. Absolutely. He's He's
0: been awesome this year, um, and Tiger Campbell's been great. My one drawback with UCLA, and, you know, they had a really impressive win over Arizona uh, this weekend, um, is that Jalen Clark, who is the best defensive player in, in the pack um, and a really important player, did leave the game with an injury and came mm-hmm. back on the court with a boot. So I'm like a little concerned about that because he's a very important
1: player for UCLA. Um well what do reports say? Has there been any updates?
0: I don't think he's gonna play in the Pac-12 tournament. We'll see beyond that. Um but that that would be a pretty big blow to UCLA. Um that's I not do, great. I do think that they'll probably still get I think that they pass Purdue and we'll get the fourth one seed. Um but we'll see with that. But Arizona you know, Tommy Lloyd has brought this program back completely. Um, they've got a ton of athletic, freakish talent. Uh, they play fast, they're really fun to watch. Uh, and then you got Azulus Tibelis, who's just this uh, big 6'11, 250-pound um big man who is just a beast down low. So um, and they start him with with the seven-footer and Omar Ballo. So Arizona another really fun team that that not many teams can match up player for player
1: with. Two things before we get into your conference, the Big 10. Any mid-majors that deserve some serious respect?
0: Um I mean, you know, I I, I don't think we we talk we don't talk about when we talk about Gonzaga they're not a mid-major. But no, we don't they're, really talk they're, about... they're
1: they're a blue blood program at this point.
0: Yeah, we don't talk about St. Mary's that much, and St. Mary's is having a year this year. Okay, Um, they they beat Gonzaga in in um, in St. Mary's and then lost to Gonzaga this this weekend. But um, Aiden Mahaney is a really really um, talented freshman guard who kind of does everything for St. Mary's, and I think that's that's a really impressive team. I'm not gonna we won't have to call St. Mary's a mid major because they've kind of been lingering for a while um but that that's one team that i think will potentially scare people down the line and you know i mentioned the mountain west when we we're talking about the acc but the mountain west has a lot of really impressive teams that are going to be in the tournament obviously san diego state's their banner program and, and kind of always there but you got utah state boise state are both going to be in the field um nevada's always been good and we'll see if they can if they can crack it. But um Mountain West is also really a strong league, too. It's funny
1: you say that because obviously since the conference realignment, you know, when we were in high school and in college, like there was the whole thing like the mid-major like had a little bit of a chance, right? And now some of these teams are getting swallowed up by you know some of the power five schools because the power five schools are losing to the, um, you know, the likes of the sec and the big 10, which, you know, it's just interesting to see that even though the mid major has like lost its luster a little bit this year, because the ACC is down, you know, you just talked about the mountain West is going to get a whole bunch of teams. Uh,
0: Yeah. I I will mention one more team because we're going to definitely talk about them Um, because they just, or they're they're on their way to securing a bid. They're up eight right now in their conference championship game in the Summit League, but Oral Roberts is back. Um, Max Aismas, you might remember the name, um, when they beat Ohio State a couple years back and made the Sweet 16. Um, Max Aismas and Kevin O'Banner, who now is ripping it up in the Big 12, but uh, they, Max Aismas, they signed a um, seven-footer in Connor Vanover, from arkansas so he transferred out of arkansas to oral roberts and this just combination of this guard who just can score at will with this big man is is beast and if you can actually check i don't even know if it's on tv right now but they're in the summer league championship against the st thomas so uh, oral roberts is a team to watch classic
1: head coaches names that we've heard forever bayheim Izzo, I mean, obviously Mike Krzyzewski's not here, you know, retired. Good riddance. We have, um, you know, Roy Williams retired. Is it really becoming the end of an era? Because the Syracuse guys, if you listen to John Jastrzemski, the Syracuse guys won, Bayheim out. And Tom Izzo, I mean, let's face it, has been pretty underwhelming for a while now.
0: Yeah. You know, when when uh, Kay and Roy hung up their cleats, and even that that was one. They were getting old, and and it's a different it's a different game now. You you have to be like a GM with the NIL stuff, and keeping not only your players happy, but you have to keep recruits happy. And everybody's negative recruiting against each other, um, and then you have to coach a team, right? So that's another whole story. Um, they were old when Jay Wright hung it up last year. That's and that's that was I was kind of. Cause he um, was like on top of the sport. He was on top of the sport and I, I would not consider him old. Um, so, you know, I, I do think that you'll see coaches like that retire earlier. Um, Beheim, they definitely want him out. I mean, the guy is a lunatic. He says the stupidest things in his press conferences. He's clearly losing it. And, you know, I believe they have a coach in waiting too. So um it's, it's probably time to, to change the course. And if, if,
1: Matt Camara, if is that the guy?
0: I, I forgot his name. I'll check back. But it, it's if he doesn't do it himself, they're gonna if, if they haven't forced his hand already, they will.
1: Crazy. You speak of Jay Wright. Like before the Knicks' uh, nine-game winning streak, there, there was a time where I was very ready for Tom Thibodeau to be cast aside and for the Knicks to have... Brunson, Josh Hart, trade for Mikael Bridges. Just run the Nova team back. Just that team won a national title. You, you can't tell me at this point that they wouldn't win an NBA title. But whatever. That, we're, that's for another uh another discussion. Okay, so the Big Ten. Your yeah. conference. Talk to me about the Big Ten. Uh yeah. obviously, you know, there's there's some there's some heavy hitters at at, at the top of the conference. And how are you feeling about your Michigan Wolverines? Floor is yours.
0: Yeah, I mean the Big Ten has been such a cluster uh, this year. You know, outside of Purdue, Purdue won the league. Um, Zach E. D is going to win National Player of the Year. He is an absolute beast, um, seven for four again. But I think he's even better this year than last year. I don't think they're getting tripped up by Saint Peter's this year. Um, he's a vacuum. Uh, down low. And yes, they've lost a few games here and there in the past couple weeks. weeks. Um, and I do think they're vulnerable, but Purdue is definitely the cream of the crop. Um, and then beyond that, it really was a, a race for, for the rest of the standings up until this weekend. Um, there was hundreds of different scenarios where, I, I mean, I was looking from a Michigan perspective where we could have finished in second to ninth in the league. And we ended up finishing in eighth, which is on the last day. To have that big of a swing um it's been crazy i you know teams are just not winning on the road in the big ten it's so difficult to win on the road and it's why i kind of treasure the new system that that the selection committee uses that they value you know one quad one quad two stuff Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, quad one is a one through 75 on the road but one through 30 at home so that's i think that's so important and it's it's really important for for the big ten
1: But it, 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 what should we call it? It, um, it incentivizes you to play a real schedule.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no benefit of playing quad three or quad four games except to lose. And that's not a benefit. That's, it's just dangerous. And Michigan did that. They, they lost to Central Michigan early in the year. And that, and that's a mark on their resume that, that could just knock them out. Um, so you got, but you have a a really strong league. The problem is that most of the league is going to fall between the five and the nine, 10 line. Um, So Indiana is the next best team. They're probably going to be on the four or five line. Um, And then you've got Illinois, Maryland, Northwestern, Michigan state, and probably Penn state locked into the field. And then you have Wisconsin, Michigan, and Rutgers. There might be two spots for these three teams. So yeah you might get nine or ten teams in the field, but not in places where they're going to be favored either either in the first game or this or if they win that the second game
1: so if you had to give you know yourself a percentage chance, where does Michigan stand right now on making the field?
0: yeah um
1: Going into the Big Ten tournament, obviously a lot can change this week, right?
0: Yeah. So there's I mean, going to be a
1: lot of swings, which is why we're probably not even talking about seating that much because we'll tackle that on Monday. But
0: yeah, I'll, I'll give them a, I'll give them a thirty percent chance of making the field. I think. Wow, to, we're, we're, to we're to be down it out. They have to beat Rutgers and then they have to beat Purdue. So. um uh, I think we have a big man in Hunter Dickinson that that can play as a good matchup against Purdue. I think Hunter can shoot and bringing Zach Headey out of the paint makes life so much easier when you play Purdue. Um, I also think, uh, but first we have to beat Rutgers and Rutgers is offensively challenged lately. Um, so I think that that's doable, um, but you know, we're favored by one point in that game. It's a coin flip. Um, I just, I don't know. It's beating Purdue's a tall order. And then once we get there, you might just be in the Dayton game. And I I just love to make the actual field because that, the, those like Tuesday and Wednesday playing games doesn't feel like NCAA tournament experience to me. No,
1: the, the real tournament starts on Thursday. Yeah. It starts on Thursday, and then our eyes bleed for the next 48 hours. Well, 72 hours, really. Yeah. It's... No, 96 hours. It's you know the fir- the first two rounds. It's 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 the best weekend the best. of the year.
0: It's the best. I hope you've blocked off your calendar.
1: <laughs> you got it. You, of course I did. You know it. But this was uh this was educational for me. I definitely needed to talk this out as I prepare for what's about to happen this week. So, yeah, just wanted to do a little, you know, palate cleanser teaser pod and then uh, obviously you're basically like a co-host for the next month, so uh, we might, let's get excited, man.
0: We might not get to talk about North Carolina again, so I just wanted to, to just say,
1: you know, au revoir to the preseason number one that that needs to win their tournament to actually get in.
0: Unbelievable. Have you watched them?
1: <laughs> I saw. I saw the Duke game. It, it's just, I. Yeah, point, neither team could score and then they hit two threes to put them up four I was just like all right I mean I think we're going to be able to take this one home and had they won that game I think it would have given them enough to be in the field just because of you know let, let's face it like they want North Carolina in the field like, it's it's yeah, one yeah. of the most impressive programs in the history of college basketball right like so they'll they'll do whatever they can do to get them in but Carolina just hasn't done anything to justify them being in without winning their conference tournament.
0: Totally, losses losses add up, and and they don't have many impressive wins, so uh, they're what definitely. Is it, they, is it they're
1: one and eight in the quad one or something like that? Like something terrible, like absolutely and, dreadful.
0: Yeah, um, they um, and they lost their quad one. They had a quad one win. Um, but it was against Ohio State, and Ohio State dropped out. So now it's just the Virginia win. Um, it's, yeah, one nice. and
1: Yeah. It's not great. You know. It's not great. What is great is what's coming the next couple Absolutely. Of weeks. It's it's awesome. Jordan, you're basically on speed dial. You're going to be basically the co-host for the next three weeks. And uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. When I got the Krinsky email, I was like, all right, we're here we're, we're here. here it's time
0: we're here it's, it's back in time baby
1: thanks for uh educating me a little bit you know i i definitely needed to be brushed up on some info i'm still not there yet but i'll i'll, I'll get there i'll get there by sunday i promise absolutely absolutely all right Aaron. thanks so much for doing it but i'll speak to you all right take care thanks again to recurring guest mr jordan marks for coming on to briefing me a little bit about college basketball previewing the conference tournaments can't wait to have them on throughout the ncaa tournament He's a very appropriate guest for big episode 200, so good stuff with him. That's episode 200. Again, big milestone, 200 for the level of the game. Take us out, Missy Elliott. I got my foot on the clock, see me bounce my butt. It's a minute too much, and I don't care. We are it, we want it, we want it. We want
0: it, we want it. it. It don't matter where you're from, it's where you're at. And if you can't a freaking leak, better bring your ass up. We want it, we want it. Run it. You coast and act like you know know how to act for yourself. You're two feet in the dust.